you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. We're in this weird sermon series, God's Wisdom. It's uh, drawn from our lectionary Old Testament text. The lectionary is structured in a three-year cycle with four readings. So in theory, if you wanted to cover everything pretty much in the Bible, for 12 years you could work through these groupings. Uh, So if we were doing that, every 12 years we would come to wisdom literature for about a three-month period, and we would uh, dive into the books of uh, Song of Solomon and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Uh, But what I found in practice is most people only preach the Hebrews and James passages in this yearly cycle every time, because they tend to be the only ones that feel it all good. They are the ones who are like, Jesus is awesome. And then you read Job, and it's like... It's really hard to say the word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God, in these passages. But but we come to them because there is light and life to be found in them. Um, We we started with the easy one, Song of Solomon, which is this uh, grand love story of uh, these two people who uh, desperately pine for each other as a a way of looking at how uh, God loves us and, and the depths of which he wants us to love him. We turn to the book of Proverbs, this a place where it's easier to find feel good. We started with uh, this uh, woman of virtue and how she modeled for us what it looks like for us uh, to trust God and to be virtuous people. We turned uh, to the beginning of Proverbs and looked at, um, at what it means for the fear of the Lord, all filled reverence to be the beginning of wisdom, how uh, wisdom and, and Proverbs are offered up to help us uh, grow in our understanding of God. And then last week, we turned to the beginning of Job, this story of a man who uh, loses everything and who doesn't know why. We get the backstory, this picture of this uh, divine council of all the uh, divine beings together in heaven with the accuser, uh, the adversary coming to God and and putting uh, his faithful to the test. Job uh, doesn't know from where his struggles come and he places the blame at the feet of Yahweh. Everything I lost is your fault and I don't understand it. And for us, the the good news is hard to tease out of that passage. The the good news is that even in the midst of the stink of life, it is not God that caused it. Instead, it's uh, at times natural evil or supernatural evil or or, or even uh, poor choices. But instead of God causing our suffering, God is there in the midst of our suffering. God took on suffering for you and I. The text last week pointed us to Jesus' suffering as one who can now understand our suffering and be the one to whom we can appeal as, as the source of good and hope. The lectionary keeps us in Job for a few more weeks, and this week's text is another, uh, another doozy of a text. It comes uh, way down in the story of Job where his friends have been trying to help him. Job. You're actually not as pious as you think you are. 
Think, think harder, Job. You have definitely sinned. That's the reason this is happening. You messed up and so God is smiting you. These are terrible friends. I don't want friends like Job's friends. I don't want my spouse to be like Job's spouse who's like, hey, God gives and takes away. Why don't you just curse him and die? Uh, the people in Job's life are really leading him down a pretty negative place. You're terrible. Figure out what you did wrong. Pray to God to forgive you for what you did wrong and maybe he will relent in making you suffer. And, and, and we come after that speech to today's text where Job kind of dismisses this idea and first says, the problem is I can't even find God. I look to the north and to the south and to the east and the west and God is not there. Because if he was, here's what I'll tell you. I would go tell him, you have clearly got the wrong person. I am pious. I am faithful I am obedient to the Torah and I do the right things. You're messing with the wrong guy. But I can't find him. Where is God in the midst of my suffering? He, he talks about kind of spiraling towards everything being gone and says, like, the, the little bit of light at the end is, but he hasn't sent me to complete darkness yet. Job still doesn't know what we know. That is, this... The suffering is not at God's demand. It's actually uh, breaking God's heart. He doesn't know the, the role of the adversary in the situation. He doesn't uh, understand, and his friends are just making it worse because they feed this theology. They feed this, uh, you clearly have sinned, and that's why you're suffering. Our gospel text has the same exact story today from a different lens. Jesus meets uh, these people who say, what do we have to do to follow you, teacher? Good, good teacher. And he, he talks about law. You know, you have to honor your father and mother. You have to love God with your whole heart. And they say, well, we do these things. And he says, okay, then give up everything for me. If you want to follow me, sell it all. Get rid of your possessions and give up your family and come and follow me. And for this person, that's a step too far. They, they can't imagine this. Whereas Job has lost everything and still, even when he thinks God is causing him this, looks to God and knows that God is virtuous somewhere in there and he doesn't understand it. This person says that that's the bridge too far and, and I can't follow you. I don't think this is actually a prescription for us. Uh, you know, the, the disciples say, well, we gave up everything and followed you, but we know that's not actually the truth. They've got houses after Jesus dies. They've still got their fishing boats. They're out doing some fishing. When Jesus sends them out and says, don't take your staff and your money and your extra clothes and your possessions, that presumes they still have staffs and clothes and extra possessions. It's not a prescription to actually uh, get rid of everything. It's an it's a, it's a invitation to consider what is that we wouldn't give up for Christ? What is the, the step too far that would make us deny God's goodness? Even when Job thinks God has gotten it wrong, he won't curse God. He says, I, I, if I can find God, we can get this straight. And the, the gospel story is someone who says, I'm right here in the midst of God and it's too much. 
And so he goes away dejected. He is right in the very presence of the divine. The thing that Job longed for more than anything, and he walks away from it. This one who is going to be the very bearer of our sufferings, this one who understands our suffering, is going to invite us into trusting God in the midst of him. I, I hate the way the lectionary did our psalm reading today. It picked the first 15 verses of Psalm 22, and it's, it's a pretty rocky beginning to a lament psalm. But it's a psalm that Jesus picks up on the cross when he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He utters this first phrase from Psalm 22 that for the first 15 verses is, God, what is going on? Jesus knows how to appeal. The psalmist knows how to appeal to God and say, why is everything so bad? These uh, images that are, are found in Psalm 22 become the very images we see in the, the death scenes of Christ, of, of people casting lots for his clothes, of his, uh, really his body withering. We, we find this uh, cry of uh, dereliction in the voice of Christ, but what we don't see uh, is the part that, that observant Jews would have known, which is that there's more to Psalm 22. Jesus doesn't say it out loud, but they would have known it the lectionary doesn't give it to us. So I think we can't read uh, Jesus' feeling of abandonment without the last half of the psalm because those who are standing there that day would have known this. The second half of Psalm 22. But you, Lord, don't be far away. You're my strength. Come quick and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Deliver my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of wild oxen, you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the very center of the congregation. All of you who revere the Lord, praise him. All of you who are Jacob's descendants, honor him. All of you who are Israel's offspring, stand in awe of him. Because he didn't despise or detest the suffering of the one who suffered. He didn't hide his face from me. No, he listened when I cried out to him for help. I offer praise in the great congregation because of you. I will fill, fulfill my promises in the presence of those who honor God. Let all who are suffering eat and be full. Let all who seek the Lord praise him. I pray your hearts live forever. Every part of the earth will remember and come back to the Lord. Every family among all the nations will worship you. Because the right to rule belongs to the Lord. He rules all nations. Indeed, all the earth's powerful will worship him. All who are descending to the dust will kneel before him. My being also lives for him. Future descendants will serve him. Generations to come will be told about my Lord. They will proclaim God's righteousness to those not yet born, telling them what God has done. Friends, that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For every bit of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, there is always a turn to but I can have confidence in you and trust that good will be brought even in the midst of this suffering that, that Jesus knows is not caused by God the Father, that is in fact brought on by uh, the very religious leaders and those who were trying to do good, who caused him harm and said, even in the midst of my suffering, God is with me, God will bring good from this, and God will be glorified. It's the turn that Job struggles to make. 
It's the turn that we struggle to make often in the midst of our suffering that God is there and God can redeem it. I get why pastors preach the Hebrews text when it comes around, especially this last line in the midst of all these texts on suffering. The final verse of Hebrews chapter four today reads, finally, let us draw near to the throne of favor. This, we could read this as the throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. This early preacher, this, this text of Hebrews is a, is a sermon to their congregation and they say, let us draw near to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that the one who offered himself for us will be there, will offer us grace and mercy to sustain us when we need it. Friends, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, that no matter what our suffering, he is there and will journey alongside of us. He will pour out his spirit and grace to meet us in our very need. I've been reflecting a lot this week with Felsha on how more of my time at Andover now has been in pandemic than out of pandemic. Uh, substantially more of it has been in the midst of pandemic than out of pandemic. And, and reflecting on what has gone on in our congregation in this time. We've had more people catch COVID than I can keep up with. We have people currently uh, quite sick with COVID. We've had uh, our loved ones in long-term care facilities where we have not been able to go in and see them. We've had uh, our way of doing church disrupted. Our kids have had three years of school that looks very different than it ever should have. The mental health toll in our congregation has been a lot. A number of you have had your livelihoods tested because of policies that were put in place with good intentions but without things uh, to protect you. And that's just the COVID part. During the same time, we've lost five pillar members of this church. We've had uh, two more people on hospice now. We've had more uh, grandmothers and grandfathers and moms and dads from our members die than I, can, than I could have ever kept up with. At every turn, someone is losing another close uh, family member or friends. To this day, we're still seeing that uh, in extremes. We've gone from a congregational care list of uh, about 10 people to a list of 40. We have uh, a number of folks who are uh, doing the hard and grueling work of caring for aging and sick parents and siblings, spouses. We have... Uh, a number of people who are uh, experiencing new and chronic pain that, that makes it hard to even go about the daily parts of life. We're, we're literally begging for PT miracles that people can uh, go about their daily lives. We've had our medical professionals uh, literally put their lives on the line every day to continue and offer uh, the, the healing that they have. I have to, I've had to write down all the different things that just I know about things that you've either told me or I've seen on Facebook. I think I can look around this room and say that not one of us has been uh, absent something that is causing grief and suffering over these last 18 months. And it is hard to be a people who have had all this grief. But there's the gospel. 
That uh, we grieve, but not as a people who don't have hope. We grieve as a people who have hope. We grieve as a people who can come before the throne of grace and God will uplift us and sustain us. We come as a people who are not alone and abandoned to our own suffering. We come as a people who can cry out, my God, where are you? Knowing full well that God is there. We come as a people who've been offered the spirit to testify to our spirit that we are not alone. We come as a people who have a very God that took on flesh to offer us light and life. And so I, I struggle. I, I, I never want us to minimize each other's suffering. I never want to do anything because the, the church at times feels like a place that you have to be happy and joyful to come to, right? I, I, I got to come and smile. Uh, you know, I've gotta, I can't cry. Yeah, that, that's, that was my big thing after mama died. I can't come. If I go to church, people are going to think, I'm going to see me crying all the time. And I'm a pastor at this point, Right? Uh, we've got to be about joy and hope. Uh, but friends, the, the real truth is that joy and hope uh, come in the morning. And they come from the very God who suffered for us. And so while Job points us uh, uh, to a place of, of darkness and fear, we live on the other side and we know the fullness of the story that God is not hidden from us. And God is right there reigning on high and offering his spirit who's bringing our very burdens before the throne of grace to, to, to lift us up and sustain us. The, the Footprints poem can, can feel a little hokey, right? But there's actually great truth in that, that we don't have to look for where God is, for God will carry us in the midst of our pain and suffering, for he has suffered on our behalf, he has offered up his life, he has ascended on high and offered his spirit to be near us. So friends, uh, while we read these wisdom literature books and we, we struggle at times to make the leap to the gospel, the gospel is this. The God who loves you took on flesh, died for us, raised from the dead to defeat the powers of sin and death and has offered his spirit to give us confidence as his very own children. We don't have to look anywhere. God is there waiting for us to simply say, here I am to offer up our joys and our burdens. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Holy and loving God, forgive us uh, for when we uh, fail to turn to you, when we go to the easy theology of laying the blame for our suffering at your feet, and uh, for the times where we feel overwhelmed in our own grief that we feel that we can't turn to you for the times that we are hardened to the grief and suffering of those around us and it's easier to wall it off, forgive us. For we know that you are a God who longs to enter into our suffering and to draw us out to light and life, to be your children and to be sustained through your spirit and through your word. Lord, give us uh, hearts that are courageous to follow you even in the midst of pain and suffering to never lose sight of your goodness, and to never lose confidence in your spirit. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.